Recovery is not a solo endeavor, it's a team sport. You need a community around you to cheer you on, to lend an ear, to pick you back up when you fall. That's what Foundation's Recovery Network's Life Challenge Program is here for. We are a positive, motivational community aimed at breaking down life's barriers and celebrating the accomplishments along the way. Our motto is, Dear Life, Challenge Accepted. Are you up for the challenge? Go to lcaccepted.com or call 615-221-5861. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks to Humans for bringing us in. And thanks to you for supporting the show. I want to give a big shout out to everybody supporting the recovery movement from Northern California to Southern California across the map. It's an honor to represent uh, this uh, great community of people. Uh, we have listeners from all over the world. I'm just so proud and humbled to be a part of it. So thank you. Um, a couple of announcements to uh, to make real quick, and uh, and then we'll get to our guest today, who I'm super stoked to have on. Um, I am excited to announce Sober Guy Radio will be podcasting from the Innovations and Recovery Conference in San Diego, uh, California. That's April 3rd through the 6th at Hotel Del Coronado. One of the most beautiful beautiful hotels I've seen actually was there last year. Didn't do any podcasting at the event, but met with some of the great folks at Foundations and uh, and hung out there for a while. It's going to be a, a great event. Um, so big thanks to Foundations for hosting the event as well as inviting Sober Guy out. Uh, really stoked about that. If you want any more information on how you can get uh, a ticket to the event or you just want to check out more info about it, go to uh, www.foundationsevent.com slash innovations in recovery. Also, uh, one, of the, one of the tools I use, um, one of my favorite ones, it's Transitions Daily. It's a daily AA email and it's delivered right to my inbox. It's a great way to start your day. It literally takes me about five minutes to read and it really is one of my favorite tools because it's quick and it helps set my mind um, right for the day and get on that track. Uh, if you want some more info about that, you can go to dailyaaemails.com and, uh, and you can sign up there. Today's guest is Dr. John Mendelson. Super stoked to have him on. He is the, um, the chief medical officer for DXRX Medical. And you may have heard me talk about this on the show in the last couple of episodes because DXRX is uh, a current sponsor of Sober Guy Radio. And uh, I had also mentioned that Jess and I went out and met with, um, with John and the rest of the team out there and had some dinner and saw the facility uh, they're in a room called an accelerator room, which I had never seen before. It was one of the coolest experiences Jess and I had. Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to talk to John a little bit about that, get some background and, and, uh, and find out about all kinds of cool stuff going down with DXRX and the, the program app that can help you, uh, help you get sober or uh, reduce your drinking, all kinds of cool stuff. Now, John is a professor of medicine at UCSF uh, and a senior research scientist for uh, Friends Research Research Institute. He's the medical director of Bay Area Addiction Research and Treatment Programs, and uh, obviously very distinguished in clinical research and primary care. He's an expert in addiction. 
Um, and it's really an honor to have him on. He's, he's a great dude. He's, he's pretty, pretty damn funny guy too. And, uh, and I'm excited to chat with him, John. It's great to have you on sober guy radio today. My friend, how are you? I'm fine. What, what a sweet introduction. <laughs> yeah, you, man, you, you are quite distinguished. I had a hard time even going through uh, some of your background. So maybe you can do me some justice and, uh, and fill us in on that. Okay, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a physician, and I trained at UCSF Medical School like centuries ago, back when leeches were still in use. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was in, I graduated in 82, <clears throat> 1982, and then I would, um, I did, uh, uh, I, had, I, I paid for medical school through something called the National Health Service Corps, did my National Health Corps, Corps service uh, in, a, in, a, in a clinic in the Tenderloin, uh, treating frail elders at home, then went into practice in 87, and then started doing research in 89 or so, uh, working with a guy named Reese Jones at UCSF. And we, we, he, he was interested in stimulants. And so I started studying methamphetamine and how methamphetamine affects people. Mm. And uh, then, uh, 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 you know, wrote grants and did projects. And eventually we, we, we landed a project to work on parts of what is now Suboxone, work on what are called the pharmacokinetics of how the drug is metabolized and, and taken out of the body. And that led to... You know, our our data, along with many, many other people, as we were not a major part of it, led to the approval of, of, of Suboxone as a uh, treatment for, uh, for for heroin addiction. And uh, that's now, like, been a big advancement. Um, then I started doing more patient care uh, with around Suboxone. I was one of the first physicians wavered, you know, to use Suboxone in private practice. And uh, then our lab focused on methamphetamine addiction. And uh, we searched for many possible treatments and failed at all of them, but uh, learned some interesting things along the way about how the drug works. We also did studies of MDMA or ecstasy in people, looking at mechanisms of how it acts in people, what, you know, what it actually does and, and how it does its stuff. And finally, that was the research side. And based on all that, um, we came up with some ideas on how to, how to, how to do a, a, uh, a uh, treatment solution. And that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what DXRX is. So that's a system where we, uh, where we, you know, I brought a lot of the knowledge from both the clinical side and the research side uh, to 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 address alcohol use and to decrease out. Our goal is is to either have people decrease their alcohol use by at least fifty percent, or to stop drinking altogether. But we support either one, and uh, so it, we're kind of unique in that in that frame. And what we do is. We use breathalyzers, which, uh, uh, you know, the police departments use, but these breathalyzers are paired to your smartphone, give very accurate readings, and uh, we have you breathalyze twice a day, and that way we can actually quantify just how much alcohol you're drinking, and that lets us, that lets us know, you know, how much you're drinking, and, and, and we can actually measure what, how much, how much you go, you decrease your drinking with, that, with things we do, which include medications and counseling and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I want to get into the um, into the DXRX and kind of the more components of it too. But first, I I want to jump back real quick and and, and ask you something. You said this the um, the study of M MDMA, and I find that really interesting in the fact that I'm wondering, and I'm sure some other uh, people out there listening may be wondering the same thing. How do you study something something like that, and what are those what what do what do kind of trials like something like that look like? Well, they they. they so okay, so our lab, what we did for them, we, what we what we did for them was uh, was was um, uh, so we did what were called human laboratory interaction studies. So we would take people who were used MDMA, bring them to the laboratory, mm -hmm. and then and then 
you know, uh, keep them in the hospital. The laboratory meant a hospital ward. We had a special ward at UCSF for research called the General Clinical Research Center. And the um, bit them overnight, and then we dosed them with placebo or MDMA the next day. And if we, were, in many cases, we were interested in, you know, we wanted to understand like how much of it MDMA effects were due to something called alpha adrenergic response, or were due to SSR, you know, serotonergic. So yeah. we give people a, an SSRI or an alpha block or something called prazosin, and we, you know, so they they get one of four. They come to the hospital four separate nights and over four weeks. And they get, on one condition, they get a placebo. One condition, they get MDMA alone. The next, they get the, the, the SSRI or the alpha blocker. And then they get the combination in the fourth condition, right? And then we'd measure effects very carefully for 12 hours. So it sounds like super exciting research, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it's actually, it's actually, uh, it's actually, uh, it's actually, uh, 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 it's actually not that exciting. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's tedious. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah. end up, but at the end of it, you end up with it. You end up at the end with, um, uh, uh, you know, you end up at the end of that with, with with a pretty good understanding of the drug interactions. You know. Yeah. So that would be directly how, directly how it affects the brain, or di- directly how. And, and 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 we also were interested in hearts and, and heart effect as well. So we did a mm-hmm. lot of cardiac studies. You know. Yeah, because you hear you hear of that. Um, is that? I mean, I guess that's what would be what would cause an overdose, right? If you overdose, well, actually, it's going to actually with, with with ecstasy, it's pretty interesting. So, so the the theory in the past was that people died of dehydration mm-hmm. after ecstasy, but but several case reports came out showing something called hyponatremia, which in English is a low sodium level in the blood. Okay, mm. and you only get the low sodium level implies overhydration. Okay. So, so back in the seventies, there were, there were cases of, of people getting, you know, hyperthermic, their body temperatures would rise very high. Yeah. And it was partly attributed to the fact that the dance clubs, particularly in England to sell more water actually turned the taps off in the bathroom. Oh, wow. Right. You know, so like Damn bastards. Yeah, <laughs> da- exactly. What a bunch of assholes. So, 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 so at any rate, you know, but and so then the word went out, you know, the, all the the people at Dance Safe and everyone else said, hydrate yourself really well, you know, right? You know, yeah, make yeah. sure you're well hydrated. And the clubs all turned on the taps. Then then we started getting cases of pr- pr- predominantly young women who 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 had this were having seizures after ecstasy, right? And you know, in, in their examination, their, their blood sodium level was substantially low, and low sodiums lead to seizures. Yeah. So we're going, how does that happen? So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a hormone called vasopressin, and everyone's probably heard of oxytocin. Oxytocin is the hormone mm-hmm. that makes you closer to other people. You know, it goes up during pregnancy. It goes up during delivery. You know, it's, this, it's, this, it's, this, uh, it's made in some place called the posterior pituitary gland. And a very close relative of oxytocin is this stuff called vasopressin, which is also goes up during, during, uh, during uh, labor and delivery, and the uh, uh, and and uh, so the theory was, oh, maybe you get like you know like release of both oxytocin and vasopressin, mm-hmm. and vasopressin gives you low sodiums, okay? Vasopressin get, you know makes it so you don't pee as much. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 we looked at that, and that wasn't the answer either, which was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 but we actually did show that that a single dose of MDMA decreases people's sodium measurably. 
And so we think it's a direct effect on the kidney. And now we recommend, you know, now we don't recommend aggressive hydration for MDMA users, but rather, rather, uh, uh, you know, regular, regular amounts of drinking uh, and, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, minimal doses. What's, what's the chemical that makes everybody want to give you a damn massage? That's ecstasy. That's MDMA. No, I know, but isn't there, is there something that releases in the body, I guess, is what I'm saying. I, I just remember, oh, just, I want a massage. Can you do, oh, man, the massage right now. It's just exactly. comedy when I think exactly. back. And that's, that's oxytocin. That's hmm. oxytocin. Okay, that is what you were just talking yeah. about then. So, okay. so, 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 so several, and, and, and in, our, in our hands, we didn't actually show increases in oxytocin, but we did show increases in people wanting to be closer to each other. Yeah. You know, and we showed... So we had this task where we where we showed people faces that we had these what were called they, we had an animated set of faces. They start out neutral, so that they don't have any emotion at all. Uh-huh. But they morph over a, a few seconds into either a, you know a smiling face that's happy, or a frowning face that's sad, or a face with big eyes that's fearful. Huh. You know, like where the eyebrows go up, and and F MDMA. And we asked people to push a button as soon as they recognize the face. You know, it's yeah. a little game. Right. Yeah. And so MDMA impaired fear recognition. Okay. Really impaired. So it made you less noticing of other people's fear. Huh. Right. Which is maybe the way that it keeps lets you be closer to others. You know, yeah. a bunch of teenagers in a dance. I mean, you know, I remember going to dance halls and big dance parties. You know, and you're you're actually you're, you're happier there, but you're terrified too. Yeah. 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 All the girls on one side, all the dudes on the other. Exactly. <laughs> and and you know you know you want at least one of those girls. Yeah. <laughs> right, you know, you want one of these ones, but you got to go over there. Yeah, you know, and try not to look like a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so if you can suppress your, if you can, and and if the other person's afraid, you're even more afraid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, fear is one of those things that, like, like the signal is, you know, like, like if I look afraid, you should, you should be looking around for what's going to be happening next. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so. But you're so. saying that that fear, that 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 that. Um that reaction or response to fear was much less when, when the, when the person on MDMA was going through those faces, they were having a hard time recognizing the fear. Yeah. yeah, It it was subtle, but it was measurable. Yeah. So, 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 so we were proposing that maybe one of the ways that MDMA makes people closer to others is that it makes you less recognize fear. Got it. Okay. Got it. You know, what, one, uh, one other thing uh, I want to touch on too, that, that you had mentioned, uh, for those who are not from the, the Northern California area like John and I, uh, or have not been um, to San Francisco, maybe aren't familiar with it, you had mentioned the Tenderloin. I know you've done a lot of work out there. Uh, you've yeah. been there for years. Um, really, you know, it's it's really a um, a, a place that uh, is a very rough spot. And I'll, I'll let you kind of take the wheel on this one. I'd really like to get your description of the Tenderloin. What, what kind of maybe even a little bit of history of it would be great because it's it's super interesting and it's super sad at the same time because there's a lot of people struggling uh, out there from my knowledge even till uh, up until today. Yes. So 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 he's talking what Shane's talking about there's a a neighborhood in San Francisco that slightly north of Market Street. It's bounded by Market Street on one, on on the on the eastern side by Van Ness on the west by probably Sutter Street on the north and mm-hmm. and Powell Street on the south. And so it's just above the downtown shopping district. And uh, what made it, and it's, it's full of largely brick buildings, eight stories or so, eight to nine stories tall, um, and uh, 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 with, uh, with, with apartments in them. 
And in the 40s, when in the 30s and 40s, when these apartments were built, they were state of the art. They yeah. were, they were, they were, and the people who lived there were predominantly the first wave of single people to work in offices, both men mm. and women. Okay. Yeah. And and so the apartments were were considered for their time luxurious. Now most of the apartments did not have a kitchen, and most of them did not have a bathroom. They were they were bathroom was down the hall, and many of them had Murphy beds. Right. So they were small studios that. You know, single single people working retail and clerical yeah, yeah. At, in downtown San Francisco got and and that was that was sort of the beginning of San Francisco bohemian scene. These were you know that you did you know these were unmarried people, so many of them were 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 were, were gay, um, you know, and uh, uh, or 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 you know libertarian in some way. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and uh, you know and and it was affordable housing for uh, for uh, for uh, the working people and it was right walking distance you know right right wa- walking distance to all the to the financial district so it's kind of like a, commu- like a like a like a community building almost where you share you have a shared bathroom yeah. a shared kitchen yeah. everyone lives together but it's affordable being that you may be working retail you may be working yeah. uh, something exactly. to kind of so, so so then 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 along you know that was the 30s and then after World War II, there was a massive housing boom. Transportation was much easier. And the Tenderloin basically emptied out of those people. They all bought houses in the sunset or out in Noe, you know, they, they, or, or moved to the suburbs, right? Yeah. You know, they had a car now, and, they, and, and many of them got married and, you know, got a, and, and ended up, you know, not living single anymore, mm. right? So then the Tenderloin devolved into the place where all the veterans, and particularly the merchant marines, mm-hmm. uh, the merchant marines uh, came to live. And that was in part merchant marines. So in World War II, if you were a merchant marine, you were the equivalent of drafted, but you had no protection. Really? And, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, you did not get a military pension. You got a merchant marine pension and you got access to the merchant marine hospitals. There were only, there were only six of them nationwide and one was here in San Francisco. Huh. Okay. So, 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 so after, and, and of course the people in the merchant marine were, you know, like, I mean, all the movies are kind of correct. They were drinkers and carousers and yeah. misfits of various types. You know, they, they really couldn't get a lot of other jobs. Yeah. So the Tenderloin filled up with Merchant Marine. There's like, there's still bars like the Gangway and, you know, like uh, that, that, that sort of are back to that era. Yeah. And, uh, Probably and, some and cool those ta- guys, tattoo parlors back then, I'm thinking. Yeah, exactly. Those guys <laughs> were heavy drinkers and, uh, you know, and like uh, drug, you know, like crazy and, so the Tenderloin slid down from this uh, from a, from a from a middle class working community mm-hmm. to a uh, post you know to a veterans uh, and and veterans that didn't get into the army were only in the Merchant Marine uh, community that uh, you know was uh, not as functional right and uh, and that 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 stayed that way it stayed that way through the 70s uh-huh. and when I w- when I was at North Market Senior Services uh, about. Twenty percent of our clients were, you know, ex-merchant marines. Got it. You know, had been had been. You know, we were. I really did. I really did have patients who said they took a bath once a week, whether they needed it or not. Really. You know. Yeah. Damn. You know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. We we tried to schedule. What day is that? We said, what day you take yeah, your what? bath? <laughs> Tuesday. Okay, you can come to the office on Wednesday. You know. Like, yeah, that makes complete sense. Like, you know, like, <laughs> make sure you throw some deodorant on too, please. They come on Monday. Yeah. You know, right? <laughs> you know. Oh man. Right, but I mean, they really, they were, you know, it was, it was a, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, a pretty rowdy crowd. Yeah. Um, 
and um, you know, so so that 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 was the tenderloin of the seventies, and then 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 you know then that morphed into it with mass incarceration, the place where people were sent after incarceration, oh, were these I same see. hotels that that would accommodate merchant marines and and others. So so you had a you had a you had a community that 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 progressively declined from you know like high functioning working people yeah you know to ex merchant marines to ex convicts and so that's where it stands right now but now that's being nibbled at the edges because all the, the there's so there's several challenges in that community that the uh, the uh, the housing stock is being rebuilt but not in the single room occupancy it doesn't meet code standards well, if so, if some so, if somebody listening though were to go to the tenderloin today, what would they what would they see? Or what what well, would they see a few blocks? They'd see a few blocks that are really kind of scary, kind of uh-huh. terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like like some of them are near my methadone clinics. Mm-hmm. You know, of of of, of young people, multi, you know, multi races, multi uh, genders, but see young people standing on the street actually doing drugs yeah. and looking menacing, and and um, and there's about well four or five blocks like that. Then they'd see a bunch of other blocks that have like uh, there's a little Saigon. They'd see a little Vietnamese community in there uh-huh. that's still vibrant with stores and restaurants. Then they'd see uh, increasing numbers of young professionals, you know, like who actually are living there yeah. because they they want to work in in this. They, they want the same advantages that the people in the 40s and 50s wanted, or right. 30s and 40s wanted. They want to be able to walk to downtown. And um, yeah, San Francisco is such a unique place like that. Like how every, I mean, everything is just so yeah. close together, just like you're describing. You you could have one block um, that looks menacing and is scary, and the next block over yeah. is completely the opposite. You know, exactly, exactly. And you know, with a with a couple of great restaurants on it. And, yeah. And and those the, the, you know those blocks they they shift. There's uh, St. Anthony's is still in the heart of the tenderloin, which does uh, uh, the largest food program mm-hmm. and has a free clinic. Um, you know, and, uh, so, so, so right now the tenderloin is in transition between, yeah. between, you know, re- reasserting itself as a place for, for, for young single workers, um, you know, who, who want to be walking distance to the financial district and, uh, and, uh, uh, uh ex-convicts, uh, you know, who, some of whom, some of whom actually earned their way into jail. Some of whom were just, you know, like yeah. rounded up and. Yeah. Car, but 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 some of whom are really bad, are really bad, not very good people, kind of yeah. scary, terrifying people. And um, and I, I do I do supervise two clinics in the neighborhood uh, with a total of about fifteen hundred patients. What what is that like for you? I mean, what is the amount of 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 work and and I, I would imagine it's a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, I, I actually really years. like it. It's actually it's actually a lot of fun. You know, it's uh, from a doctor's perspective. They're yeah. these are they're great cases. The cases are. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, yeah, they're they're texting me now. There's a 36 year old heroin user with 15 years of uh, heroin use, right? Um, uh-huh. You know, and uh, you know, and uh, and uh, and he needs to get started on 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 uh, methadone today. Yeah. You know, it's his first time in. You know, um, what else is there at the clinic this morning? Uh, there's uh, uh, there's patients who uh, who have uh, you know uh, need dose dose adjustments. It, you know, it's actually, it, yeah. it, 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 it's, there's, but the typical, the methadone patients often came from, they often came from someplace that they, they about, they, they don't all, you know, they, they, they start out like pretty normal people and they, yeah. they get, they get, they get, they start playing with opiates or get onto opiates for some reason. So maybe 20% get on for actually a medical cause. 
you know, like yeah. they, they had an actual injury and then they re- end up rapidly escalating doses, become tolerant dependent and then start to slide down, uh, you know, into, yeah. into the, into, and, and once they sort of transition to injection drug use and start getting abscesses and hep C, I mean, it, they, they, they're really, they really mess their lives up. So from, uh, so from, cause you, you, you're, you're John, you're, you're also doc, Dr. Mendelssohn. So from, when, yeah. you, when you kind of got to separate those two, um, have you found in the past or, or maybe even, um, you know, up until today, have you ever had, um, that, you know, that personal connection or that emotional attachment to maybe a specific story that's really hard for you to, to deal with, or, or are you able, I mean, obviously you have, you have a ton of experience. You've been doing this for a long time. Have you, have you been able to, um, kind of go into work and, and be compassionate, obviously, and understand the work you're doing, of course, but um, look at it more from a, a clinical perspective and trying to get these, you know, th- these poor people who are really struggling the help that they need. Well, well, I think one of the great things about being a doctor, all good doctors actually eventually connect emotionally with every one of their patients. Yeah. We, we just we just don't we just don't die. You know, we just don't die from it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, we have a little distance. Yeah. We use our, yeah. you know, the intellectual part of ourselves to like. Uh, you know, to, 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 to be able to, to kind to of not. separate, but, but we always get emotionally involved Yeah, and, uh, you know, and, and, and feel what's going on with the patients. Um, is there one, know, is there one story that stand that, that stands out to you that, that really, you know, hits you? Yeah. Yeah. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. Um, I mean, so the, the methadone clinic, you're always thinking of, you know, like, like a lot of patients have been you know, have been, have been, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's a lot of heroism in, in the, yeah. uh, in the back, in the back of the, uh, of the stories. And so I'm, we, we get, you know, this, uh, this, um, uh, this older, uh, African American woman, uh, on heroin for like 40 years. And she sent to medical, she's been stable on her methadone dose, except that she's now getting, she's now getting, she has a, uh, a heart problem and the heart problem, is causing her to have low oxygen levels in her blood because mm-hmm. the blood goes instead of flowing through the heart, it flows around it. There's a what's called a, a atrial septal defect, right? And um, and so you know, she, so the combination of methadone and this ASD leads to leads to um, uh, her getting very you know like like short of breath, and uh, and uh, and so we have to lower her methadone dose. So I'm you know, chat with her and it's like, seems like a pretty typical person. So I, so I asked her, I asked her about, you know, like, um, you know, like, you know, what are, what strengths she had? Well, she's been married and she's still married to the same guy for 40 years. They wow. both use heroin, but they're really? both married for 40 years. And I said, well, you know, what else, you know, you know, you got going, you know, like, and how did it start? Oh, you know, he got me into it. Like, you know, it was like a thing, but yeah. you know, we're still together. Right. So you go, wow, that's wow. pretty well, you yeah. know, like marriage based on heroin. So where can that go? Right. And what about children? Oh, I got two. Well, one of them is a Stanford law grad, you know, who lives in the city. Wow. Another one's another one's like some other high position someplace, right? Like, what, what is the, what's going on here? So I raised them good. I got them all raised up, got them to school, you know. So she's like this little tiger mom, right? You yeah. know, with, with 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 a weird medical condition and heroin addiction. Wow. And you're going, what the hell? You know, like. So, so, you know, and, and a stable marriage, more stable marriage than many other people have, <laughs> yeah. you know, right? You're going, what, what is going on here? You know? So it was, uh, uh, you know, stories like that, you go, uh, this is, this is, uh, you know, so you dig under the surface, you find all kinds of stuff. And, yeah. 
And, you know, these are survivor populations, and so they've, they've survived other stuff as well. Sure, so, sure. Some I'm of them sure. are just assholes who are, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, yeah. like, you know, who, who didn't, have never had done a responsible thing in their lives. But a surprising number, you know, have, are at completely the other end, you know, are much more responsible than maybe I would have been. Yeah. You know, right? how, how, do you, how do you deal with the asshole that comes in? Because that's got to um, be tough, too. Yeah, you know they get they just you you give them their moment of time and yeah. limit them to what they're getting and then then you know next please, you know and you you have rules you have rules that you know yeah right you know you can't yell at the staff you you know you you know you have to be here on time so don't be a don't be a whole asshole but you can be like maybe eighty percent asshole just yeah, to, yeah enough, yeah, enough exactly. to make you feel better about yourself yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and if you want to if you want to change someone will help yeah. you but you know like right now you know like get out of our hair. Yeah. You know, I want to, uh, I want to jump into this indie bio demo day thing too. Yeah. I've been waiting to talk to you about that, but I have one, one more, one more question for you regarding this. Cause I, I find these stories so interesting. Is there one story that you can think of, um, that you, you just saw someone because I think they're inspiring too. you saw mm -hmm. someone really at the depths of it, who actually came out and, and was able to, to come out on top. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if necessarily we ever, uh, beat it, but at least maintain it and, and get well and really change their life around. Yeah. I mean, I have, I think I've got lots of patients that were yeah. circling the drain and are now, you know, like, uh, you know, stable in their jobs and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, doing and maintaining their relationships. I mean, I think that would be, you know, you could, uh, I, about, about half the patients we treat, you know, really j just go on as if they were just in their regular lives. They uh. really don't once, once, this is for both opiates and alcohol. Yeah. If once once you get them treated and moving, right? Uh, uh, qu quite a few of them, you wouldn't know they have they 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 have any addiction problem at all, right? Wow. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't have a clue on that. You know, many many do use groups and uh, you know me, me, you know uh, uh, you know use AA and things or NA, but but a, a number don't use those either. They're pretty damn stable. You know, um, I mean, I'm thinking I got, you know, like one guy I see every three months now and he's like, uh, he's like got a, a great position in a, in, a, in a tech company. He's yeah. married, has a couple kids. He like is the, is a coach in his, uh, you know, his school team, you know, like, I mean, you, you wouldn't know a thing about this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, like, I mean, you'd, you'd think he was just vanilla, completely yeah. vanilla, you know? Well, I think that's and, such a good, that, that that's such a good uh, thing to point out there too, you know, is that addiction, alcoholism, it, it does not discriminate. And a lot of people who don't yeah. understand it and who don't know a lot about it, maybe they haven't been affected by it either themselves or with a loved one. It's not just, you know, the, the guy or the gal laying in, in a doorway with a brown oh. bag homeless. You know what I mean? It, yeah, Cause yeah. That, that's like the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people. Exactly. And that's, it's that's, normal that's, people. And that's the end of a failed, of a failed system. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and I think and I think the other huge news is you don't need to wait to rock bottom to get yeah. to get to get some to get something yeah going. Well, that that that's that is our central thesis with DXRX. Yeah, and I I think that's a great transition actually into that because I love that and I I'm actually a a, a really good example of that, John. Like I yeah. I didn't um you know like a, a lot of a lot of my um you know friends or or people I know um, who either lost their lives or went to jail or had multiple DUIs. I, I don't know how, but you know, thankfully 
none of that stuff happened to me other than the gut feeling that something really bad was about to happen. Yeah, and yeah. I was able to get the help beforehand. And so you point that out. You don't have to wait until all that bad shit happens to reach out and get help. And that's kind of what the DXRX program is about. And let's, let's jump into that. But let's start with Jess and I coming out there and you guys taking us through this accelerator room, which was super, <laughs> super cool. Um, explain to us, John, what an accelerator room is. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I've done, so guys, I've done, I've done, you know, like uh, academic medical research for 30 years and you, you have a team and you have offices, you know, and everyone has their little office and, you know, have a conference room. Yeah. Um, in this situation, what happened there, you know, there, there were, uh, this group, there were 12 companies that were brand new. We were one of the companies. So we had to compete to get in. We had to go, you know, like convince the people who run the place that that we have a viable idea that can make a lot of money and help the world. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, and then, then in October 1st, that all 12 companies arrived and just imagine a, a big basement. It looks like a school cafeteria, you know, like, um, or, 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 or I, I used to, I described it looking like the, like detention, yeah. you know, there are desks, <laughs> you know, there are yeah. desks, there's like two rows of desks, yeah. right. You know, and down, and down the middle and then, and, uh, and then the, uh, the, the people who run the accelerator sit in the back, right? You know, yeah. like in there. And so they're, at any rate, you, you, you get down there and they give you a desk and the power outlet. You got to bring your own extension cord. And, um, and uh, they give you $200,000, okay? Right? <laughs> and uh, to launch your company. So they, yeah. And they want your team there every day from, you know, from, from nine to five minimally, right? And, um, what happens is that the, all the companies start work, and every week there's a you have to present the, in the uh, each company there's a every Friday there's a presentation of what you accomplished this week, right? And then the companies vote on that the the, the the people the accelerator the gurus of the accelerator uh, say which three companies they think did the best, and the other companies vote on, on which of those three did yeah. the best, and they win an award, the killer of the week. So <laughs> so so you're really you know. You're, you know, you're seeing people. Uh, so everyone starts at zero. I mean, yeah. these are all companies. There were a couple companies that had some money previously, but most of us hadn't had any actual funding uh-huh. up till now. So we've been bootstrapping it, you know, like, like, you know, doing the, so this is the first real money for a company. And then you're, you know, you're watching a week over week change. You know, one company arrived with something written on a piece of paper as an idea, and they built two, a prototype twice a week. And, you know, like Monday and Thursday, they built prototypes. Yeah. You know, and ended up at the end of it with a finished product. So what's cool is that you see everyone making progress. So we started out with, with uh, no apps or website services constructed. Yeah. And by mid-December, we had the website and apps constructed, the, basic serv- the basics of those, and deployed in the, in the app store and Google play. So that's how, that's how fast you move. You, yeah. you, you, you move, you move at this rather amazing pace. And it was just really cool to watch everyone else go at the same pace. There was really no one who dropped out, you know, yeah, there was no one who failed, you know, and, and, and didn't show up. There was, there was one team where, you know, one of the founders disappeared one day was replaced. <laughs> right. You know, like there's some back drama there, yeah, but, yeah. uh, but, uh, but there was not even that much drama. You know, so uh, when, when we when we came through there, you guys were kind enough to give Jess and I a little tour of it and meet yeah. some of the meet some of the good um, good people working on different yeah. projects. And 
you know, from stem cell research to, yes. um, you know, my, uh, mice, there was something, I can't remember yeah. exactly how that, how that one worked because it was a yeah. lot of it was way, way beyond my, um, my normal thinking, but, um, super, super interesting stuff. And, and I think you and I kind of touched on this before in, uh, before we got started is the fact when, when you get a bunch of creative minds in a space like that involving mm-hmm. science and entrepreneurship and, yeah. um, and good people really trying to make changes, um, yeah. Man, some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the energy and uh, creation process, it can really just just push you that much faster. And I guess that, hence the the name Accelerator Room, right? Like you're exactly. in there to just get that shit done and, 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 and do and, it. And, and the people who run the place are also very, they've, they've incubated other companies. They've helped launch uh-huh. other companies. So they know what milestones people should be achieving. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. and so, and so they're, they're, they're there to both prod you and help you. You know, they have connections. So, you know, you have to solve a problem. They, 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 you know, they'll help you find the person to solve the problem. Got it. Got it. You know, and they actually had wet labs too. They actually had labs there. So that, so that the companies that were doing actual lab work, yeah, you know, uh, could, could actually run their lab experiments right there on the um, spot. There was, there, there was a, co- there's a company that's making, so it turns out snake bite uh-huh. is actually a significant problem in the world. I never knew this. They're yeah. about, you know, there are, there are like, there are like 500,000 amputations a year and several several uh, hundred thousand deaths really? around the world and uh and um, there's no universal snake anti-venom right and and the, the anti-venom that does exist has to you know it, it, it's perishable has to be kept in a hospital so by the time people get to it yeah that's they're often they're, you know the limbs are destroyed well a lot so of times you, you would probably have to identify what what type of snake it is too well, right well so these guys these guys have have they know that they so they've actually made they they made the key parts of the antibodies in a recombinant system right for all snakes right huh. and they're going to wow. package it in one in one like epi pen like container it's a dried product that will be you know usable in the field yeah right so, so that's really cool. Like that's that, super you know. cool. So basically, you could be out doing research or what? Who? Or maybe you're just fucking chasing snakes. I don't know. God, exactly. like, at, God help at, you if that's hike. what you do. But well, <laughs> you got well, the pen, and if you get bit, boom, you can stab. You can stab your arm with that anti-venom right there, and exactly. keep your damn arm or your leg. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So yeah, you know there are rattlesnakes. Most of them are not in the United States. There are only a few yeah. thousand snake bites in the United States. Yeah. But in, in India, and in, in parts of Africa, again, you know, there, there's a death every two or three minutes from snake bite. Man, that is right? crazy. It's amazing. So, you know, so it's it's often young people or children. Yeah. You know, so, so 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 it's a it's a significant thing, and it's and 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 so these guys got you know they 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 found the problem that they were fascinated by, and 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 they 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 built a solution, and they started out with basically just a concept. And by the really? time they left, they'd identified several elements of a universal anti-venom uh, antibody system. You know, so they're on their way. Yeah. They're on their way. They proved they can, they, they, they got to, so, um, you know, so. Just some uh, some uh, great, great examples of, yeah. of cool things going on. And, and uh, to bring it back to DXRX, I mean, that that's another one. You guys, I know you recently presented at the Indie Bio uh, demo yeah. day out in San yes. Francisco. I got a chance to watch that, man. It was, it was really, really cool to see. You did a great job, and one one of the things that I liked, and I thought maybe we um, have you have you kind of break down the program, what it is, so people out there listening can uh, 
understand it better and then go ahead and look into it if they're interested. Um, I like how you laid out, let's meet Mike. And I was hoping that you could yeah. kind of take, take the example of Mike real fast and kind of lay this out, how this program works and how it might fit into, into someone's um, uh, lifestyle or someone that they love. Exactly. So, so our thesis is that, that there's, that there's many, many people who have alcohol use disorder. We, we created a fictional character named Mike who's in his mid thirties. He's married, has a family, has a career. He's been pretty successful, but since his twenties, he's been drinking excessively. And at some point in his thirties, he loses control. Mm -hmm. Right. And he no longer can stop classic and, uh, and you know, can't control his drinking and, uh, he can't or cut down when he needs to, you know, and he gets increasingly uh, like difficult. And one night he actually punches a wall in front of his family and, uh, you know, and uh, loses control. And he doesn't remember what happens, but everyone else do does. So, you know, Mike then goes and says he needs treatment. So he tries to go to AA and AA didn't work for him. You know, like he, it, it just was the wrong, the wrong message, the wrong group. You know, he just couldn't fit into that. Right. And so he then goes, looks at rehab and rehab, you know, foundations, man, they're expensive. These programs are expensive and mostly they take a lot of time. Yeah. Right. You need to put a whole month in. So he says, I'm not going to do that now. I'm going to lose my job. So uh, he keeps drinking, right? He keeps drinking, and he tries to stop, but he can't. And a year or two later, you know, the wife is leaving him. The job is telling him he's, you know, on probation, mm -hmm. right? You know, and, 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 and he's spiraling down. And then he, he does lose something big, like his marriage or job. And now he, now he goes to rehab, right? Yeah. So, so the point of that is that, is that is that people are identified early as to have you know people know as they're spiraling down what's going on and they look at their treatment options and they don't like them right and and you know they're not for them yeah and uh, and, and 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 the numbers show pretty clearly there are 34 million people in the United States who are like Mike who are, have alcohol use disorder yeah yet only 2.5 million of them get treated in any one year it's only 7% right and mm. almost all of those are at the severe stage you know, when, when yeah. things are lost and there, and there's no, I, I saw it firsthand too yeah. with, with other guys. in when I was in rehab myself, yeah. that, you know, th thankfully I hadn't yet lost my job or my family or anything like that, but there were, there were guys and, and, and ladies in there too, who had, yeah. who had fucking lost everything. And imagine yeah. that being at the lowest of the low, you're, yeah. you're in rehab, but now you have nothing to go back to, too. Yeah. That is a very, very tough situation to be in. Exactly. And, and, in, and in medicine in general, we try not to treat people at the end. I mean, if you take people with high blood pressure and only treat them after they've already had kidney failure, it's just not a, you know, it's not a good, it's not a good plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 you know, the barriers to people getting treatment earlier are that, uh, that like social groups, like they want privacy. They don't want like a social group yeah. and they need something affordable that they can do at home. Right. And so that's what we built. And, uh, uh, they also need things that are effect treatments that are effective. And it turns out there are a bunch of medications that actually cut down your alcohol consumption and do it pretty, pretty robustly. Yeah. And they've been available for many years and doctors don't use them. They don't know about them. They don't use them and they don't know how to deploy them. And even when they do do them, patients after a while say, I'd rather, you know, like it's Friday night coming up and I'm going to, I'm going to go out with the girls. Mm -hmm. So they stop their meds, right. And then go out with the girls and, of course, addiction being a disease of denial, they also don't they also don't really know how much they drink. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so, so we built some things to combat that too. So people, we we have breathalyzers that are hooked to smartphones, and we have people blow twice a day, at you know morning and evening, and they can see just how much they're drinking, and that's often revelatory all by itself. I mean, if you're doing a point two, you know, right after a night yeah. of drinking, yeah, you know, and 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 sometimes you wake up with a little alcohol on board, you know, because it takes that long to yeah. metabolize. I mean, this is this is. This is this is this is kind of eye opening. Well, yeah, because I can't. Right. I, I can think back about all the times, and I'm sure people out there listening can relate to this too. How many times have you been to the doctor just for a normal checkup or something? They say, "Well, do, do you drink alcohol?" And you go, "Well, yeah." Well, how much do you drink? Do you ever? I don't ever said the real amount of alcohol that I drank. It was always like, "Oh, do you know, one a or couple. two drinks, a, a couple." A exactly, couple. and and part of that was because I was lying, and number two, I really didn't have any idea because I didn't. It was just yeah. a free for all, you know. Exactly. Exactly right. People always say a couple, and the doctor assumes. So the old joke in medicine is that the person with a drinking problem drinks more than I do, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's how that's how you judge it. Yeah. But but that's not you know. So the doc Gosh. just lets that slide. I drinks a couple, and 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 it, the doc puts in whatever they drink, a couple of beers, a couple of wines, mm-hmm. right? You know, right? Yeah. So, so 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 what you learn in that question is what the doctor drinks. Yeah. Right. Not but, not know? the real yeah not the real uh, <laughs> yeah. issue at hand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so. Um, uh, uh, in fact, in fact, uh, back when I was back at that North American clinic, we had a patient, uh, we had a patient who kept falling down, coming in drunk mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and like a 70 year old woman. And we'd say, what do you, you know, you're drinking. She said, I just drink two beers a day. Right. And we went and did a home visit and she, her refrigerator had nothing but 40 ounces in it. Right. You had a grandma drinking forties. Yeah, exactly. Holy and shit. What kind of forties were like, they? Like, Tell me they were like some. Tell me like there was some Steel Reserve or some Mickey's or, or exactly. something. Yeah. It was hysterical. It was hysterical. <laughs> you know? And and then she just and that was all that was in the fridge. There was no food. Right? Damn. She wasn't lying to us. She was drinking two beers a day. But they were two forties a day. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> Gangster right there. Gangster little, grandma so, at its so finest. The lesson the lesson is two what? You know, or a couple yeah. of what? Yeah. Right? You know? And uh any rate though, the breathalyzer make makes you honest. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's like a speedometer. Right. You know, it makes you honest. And then we then we then we prescribe meds. And, and so what we do is we get a couple of days of baseline to, to see where people are actually at. Then we then we start prescribing medications and the medications do work. And then we we, we buff those up with, you know, we, we, we push those higher higher with uh, as needed counseling. So some people need counseling. Some people don't. Many people have a therapist or other things. And even if they have a therapist, there's some rough spots. So, 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 you know, we, we, we deploy the counselor when the person needs it. Got it. Right. And we're building out an inner circle so that like you can get your spouse or a loved one in on this too. So they would have access to your breathalyzer results. Got it. Your medication adherence and would also be able to give you encouragement or, you know, ratings say, you know, Shane is doing better this week, worse this week, same. So you have some good yeah. you have some good accountability. Maybe it's a, a, a spouse, exactly. a sponsor, a friend, who, whoever, or, or all of those, or all so of you them. Have a, yeah. So we build this inner circle, um, and then we're going to build an outer circle too. That would be other people in the program mm-hmm. who anonymously you could reach out to for 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 questions. So you're building community around around exactly. it as well, which is exactly. huge. I mean, that's really one of the one of the yeah. best things possible. So 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 that's 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 the vision. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, and it's and it's built at its core on a medical model of make a diagnosis and then, you know, prescribe a particular treatment. 
Yeah. Not everyone will need meds, um, but for the ones who, you know, like, uh, and, and they may not need them forever once we get some of the other things going. Yeah. But but I but I but I think I think the first step is getting under control and the meds let you get that. Yeah. They let you get there. You know, so uh Well, so, I think uh, that I you know, I really and I appreciate you coming on today and kind of breaking it down, John, and telling us a little more info, sharing some of the stories and stuff too. The uh you know, the, the history of the Tenderloin was was awesome. I that was really yeah. cool. I didn't know a lot about that. But you know, with the program, I just want to point out too, and you kind of alluded to this just a few minutes ago, is that not everything works for everybody. So, is it a twelve-step program? Is it a church? Is it a is it a, a phone app? Um, is it community? What is it? You know, there's all different kinds of resources out there, and I think it's important for us to not just get stuck on this is the one way it has to be. Like, there's so many different kinds of things, and you can try out different yeah, yeah. things. And DXRX is really, um, to me. You know, um, it's it's a good example of that. It's something new. It's something different, and um, yeah. it may not work for everybody. It may work for a, a ton of people. I mean, it's a, it's really a cool cool thing with science and um, and and just community around it as well. I mean, we've got thirty four million people with alcohol use disorder. Yeah. right. That's that's a lot of people, and and there's you're absolutely right. There's not going to be any one system that's going to work for all of them, right? So, so um, you know, short short of death. Yeah. Right, you know, death yeah, will work for all. Yeah, they always stop drinking after they die. Um, you know, <laughs> right? But yeah, uh, I mean, unfortunately, that is a very true statement. But uh, but uh, uh, so there's plenty of room for there's plenty of room for for diversity of opinion. You know, um, I think I think what's going to be somewhat hard. So you know, like like because we haven't had effective treatments like the ones we're talking about here, yeah. which actually offer some degree of control over drinking. Mm-hmm. For some of the old guard, where there was nothing but willpower, yeah. right? It's going to be hard to hear that there there was a different way to go. Yeah, you know that that other things might have worked, and um, and I think that that's that's going to be you know so so people people who made it by being incredibly scrappy and by you know going throwing it all in on a particular system, right? Of whatever it is, whether it's you know residential or AA you know, or, uh, you know, some kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, confrontational system. Yeah. They're, they're going to, you know, because they, they, it worked for them and because they were at the end of their rope and because it was so, you know, incredibly traumatic, they're going to want to keep it They're They're going to believe that's the only way to go Yeah. because the only way I made it. So, so I think that they, you know, what my appeal to that group of people would be to open your minds up to like different ways of doing it. Well, that's I mean, kind of, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what I was getting at too yeah. with, with that with that statement because I'm with you and I, I I do I do agree for the most part on that too is that there are different ways, um, especially as science new programs, yeah. even even things like podcasts. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's a great example too. I'm not saying that that is the the any of these are the one all be all, but point being is there are a number of different ways and a number of different things that can work for each individual. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, so when I, when I was in met, you know, after medical school, you do a residency, you know, and that was the classic, you know, you're in the hospital all the time. You're on call every third night, you know, you spend every third night up, right. And work seven days a week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and that was our trap was our brutal training system, but you know, yeah. you got to see all the cases, Right. You know, you get to be, you know, you get to be, you know, I mean, you really understood what happened with a with a case. Yeah. And 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 a lot of us older docs kind of resent the fact that the young docs don't do that. Right. Mm. You know, because, you know, we did it. They should. Right. You know, we survived. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, like, I and mean, we survive, you know, the hundred and ten hour week work weeks. Yeah, right. You know, quit, with, quit uh, being a pussy, man up and get it. exactly. <laughs> quit being exactly. Yeah. You haven't got it. You can't. You're not strong enough to do it. Yeah, and 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 yet there, you know, there's some. So there's still a lively debate in this. Yeah, it it it, it it's it, it, it's clear you don't lose too much by by not having every night on call. Yeah. Though though the bigger problem now is that the signouts pe- people get confused and si- the, the 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 medical problems come because the signouts aren't complete. Sure. But the but at any rate the, the point is that 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 all of us old docs actually really wanted the young ones to actually go through the exact same programs we did, you know, because because we did it, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Right? And therefore therefore they should do it too. And, and that would be hard. And that's hard to admit that there might be an easier way. You spent a lot of time, you know, and, yes. and, and, uh, um, you know, invested in that, I guess. And so yes. for somebody else to come up and say, Oh, I'm going to do it this way. And it's about, I'm going to cut yeah. half of the time off or whatever it and, may be. Yeah. And it was, and it was you built a great, it was, you know, it was good. You built a great community and, you know, like, I mean, you learned to trust people and work on teams. It was, you know, there were several advantages Yeah. yeah. and even though you were completely exhausted, you know, <laughs> and, uh, right. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, and uh, well, and, I'm uh, I'm all I'm all about different uh, different paths, and ultimately, at the end of the day, what this is really about is helping people to uh, to get clean, to get sober, and uh, to to really help change their lives. Yes. And I, I just appreciate you coming on today, John, and uh, talking about uh, uh, getting to know you a bit, talking about the DXRX program. Super exciting stuff. Um, where can uh, where can folks find you at, John, if they'd like to uh, reach out to you? They, they they can email me at john at dxrxmedical.com. So that's DX, like the letters, that's diagnosis, dxrxmedical, M-E-D-I-C-A-L.com. And that's also our website. They can, they can find me through the website at dxrxmedical.com, right? Yes, got it, got it. And then you can go to that soberguy.com as well, and you mm-hmm. will see the DXRX logo, Stronger Than Alcohol, on the right-hand side. You can mm-hmm. click on yeah. that, and that'll also take you right there. So you got a couple different outlets if uh, if you want to check it out. John, uh, thanks so much for joining us again, man. It was a pleasure. Okay, that was wonderful, Shane. I'm glad I did this. Fantastic. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Foundations Recovery Network, as well as Sober Nation, DXRX Medical, for supporting the show. You can help support us on Patreon, uh, and you can do that by going to thatsoberguy.com and go to the right-hand tab. You can click on the Patreon button there. Uh, Help us keep bringing you the best recovery, free, no-bullshit content. I love it. Uh, I'm so blessed and so grateful to get to serve uh, this community and I really play play my part in, uh, in not only staying sober um, and, and trying to be the best example of that that I can be, uh, but also providing uh, some, some great guests for you all out there. And uh, I just appreciate the love and the support. So thanks again. Everybody have a great weekend. Have a fantastic day. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.